Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Here at Erie First, we're in the process of what we're calling a 21-day corporate fast. As a church family, we are collectively setting aside time to commit to focused prayer for breakthrough in our community. Last week, we talked about the power and importance of fasting, where we abstain from food or other distractions so we can be more easily focused on God. Today, Pastor Nicole is going to talk about how we pray. Prayer is something we talk about every week, but maybe you're not exactly sure how you should pray, or you have questions about how prayer works. Well, Pastor Nicole is going to answer those questions today. So let's get right into it. And just like last week, we want to start with a humorous look at some different ways we can go about praying. My prayer life is vibrant and it's active daily. I like to commune with God at nighttime. I get under those warm covers and I kiss my wife goodnight. Then I just start talking to God, just me and God, tell him everything. <sighs> Makes me just sleepy just thinking about it. And there I am just laying in bed, laying out my request to him and he's hearing me and I know that I'm in good company with him. Where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the legs should be saying, God, help me. Amen. There are times that me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault. That is mine. I just get so busy. And so when I do end up talking to God, I really just try to impress him, give him a show, just to show him how much I love him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto thee. How now, brown cow? Oh, thy soul is so dry, and if I can just catch a morsel of who you are, so verily, merrily, down the stream. God, I, I just want to be used by you. God, I want... I want to be salt and light and light salt and sight and loud and peppers and oregano and pepperoni and black olives and those little bit. When I like to get my prayer on, uh, there's some things I keep in mind. Um, I think it's totally awesome that uh, God is like Santa Claus and he wants to give you the things that you want. Therefore, you need to keep lists of things. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on them. So then when I go to the Lord in prayer, it looks a little something like this. I'll just pray real quick. Um, let's see. The uno thing on my list is my mom. And so I'll pray for her now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up this sweet salt of the earth lady that you have blessed me with to be my mother. And I tell you, thank you. And although I know that I'm called to respect her and I give her all due respect, there's also an issue of something she truly needs. And that is to stop a yapping. Lord, she yaps. And she doesn't know how to stop yapping. So could you please make her mute just for a day? Nothing permanent. Don't hurt her. I love her. Just mute her. Take your big God remote and push mute on her channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I would go on and pray all 700 
and 46 things. God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs and I have a lot of wants. And sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs and be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And God, as I start this day out, I, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. We are toward the end of our 21 days of corporate prayer and fasting uh, together as a church. And if you haven't gotten a chance to jump in or maybe you're like, I'm just hearing about this now. That's okay, because we have seven days left, okay? And you can start even today or tomorrow. You can join with us. We've crafted some resources for you uh, during this fast at eeriefirst.org slash 21 days. So check that out. Um, we have scriptures there to pray, books to reference, some video devotionals from our missions teams um, for you to use as prayer points. And so I really would love for you to jump in and see what God can do, uh, even as we finish these next seven days. And next weekend, we're going to celebrate together with some testimonies and uh, just hearing from, from you on what God has done and how he has answered so many prayers um, for us. And so last week, we studied Matthew 6 and what it said about fasting. And in this chapter of the Bible, Jesus actually addresses both fasting and prayer. So we're going to continue our study in Matthew 6 on prayer. And what better way to study what uh, prayer and fasting is than straight from the words of Jesus? Am I right? If we can get it right from him, uh, then we can know exactly what he wants us to do. So let's read this. You can follow along as I read Matthew 6, 5 through 6. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, some of this verbiage, if it sounds similar to last week when we talked about fasting, it is. Because he said it twice. What, what our Savior is saying is that, look, any kind of spiritual discipline, fasting, prayer, um, giving, any kind of spiritual discipline, the most important part about it is the motive. Because quite honestly, when we do any of those things with the wrong motive, they don't count for very much. Jesus is saying that the vertical relationship with him is absolutely the most important thing. Approval of men is empty, but approval from the Father is the real gift. 
And so in verse six, he says, look, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Now, the word that Jesus uses, uh, room, actually is translated to a storage room or a closet. Maybe you've heard someone use the term prayer closet before. Raise your hand. Have you ever heard the term prayer closet? And maybe you're imagining them actually going into a closet. Well, this is that scripture that Jesus, maybe they've gotten that phrase out of, but this is where that phrase comes from. And Jesus is the literal word here for this room was usually a room that was separated from everything else. Maybe it contained valuables or grain or goods. The room was usually locked. It was far away from the place where people were. It wasn't a room that people spent time in. It certainly was not the place uh, someone would expect to find someone else praying, which is the point. And what Jesus is driving home here is this. The big idea is that what's done in private really counts to God. What's done in private really counts to God. In fact, I would venture to say what's done in private counts more to God often than what's done in public. Is that you can be a great prayer. People can think you are the best intercessor and the best prayer. But if you are not praying in private with the Lord, God is saying, look, this is what counts. And I think this is why the prayers between God and you when no one else is listening are the realest, rawest, most genuine prayers that you can offer. Jesus says, look, the prayers that I'm looking for are the clunky ones. They're the messy ones. They're the, the authentic ones, the, the ones that come out between grief, the, the ones that come out between frustrated tears. Those are the prayers, the ones in the closet that Jesus values the most. Now, it doesn't have to be a literal closet. It doesn't have to be a physical closet. That's not what Jesus' point is here. In fact, Susanna Wesley, uh, she's the mother of two well-known preachers, John Wesley and the hymn writer Charles Wesley. And um, she is famous for creating her own version of a prayer closet. Uh, Susanna had 19 children. Okay, you heard that right, 19 children. And she would bring her Bible to her favorite chair, and she wore a long apron because she had to cook for all these 19 children who were hungry all the time. And when she would have her Bible, she would throw her apron up over her head like a tent. Okay, this is what she would do. And every person in that household, from the smallest toddler to the oldest child, knew to respect this signal. Mama was not messing around. <laughs> when the apron was over her head, you do not come bothering her unless your arm was detached. Okay, and even then, try to bandage it yourself first. <laughs> And Susanna Wesley, in that moment, would take her Bible, and in the privacy of that little tent that she made, the apron over her head, she interceded for her husband and her children, and she heard straight from the heart of God. And so what Matthew 6 is urging us is this, find your closet, find your tent, find your running trail, whatever it is, find it, and pray as honestly as you know how as often as you can. Because when the Father, what the Father sees that is done in secret, he will reward. And so uh, he continues with more instruction on how not to pray in Matthew 6. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. It says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Now, I often, when I'm studying to prepare for Sunday mornings, I look at the Greek words. Uh, maybe that's something you don't have time to do, so I'm going to do it for you and try to teach you so you can understand more of what this means. But I looked up the Greek word for babbling, and I have to tell you, uh, it made me 
smile. It made me giggle this week because the word is batalogio. Okay, that's the Greek word for babbling. And it means pointless speaking and repeating a bunch of words over and over. In fact, in Greek language, when someone was just rambling and pointless speaking, they would shorten this word to bada, bada, bada. Like stop, bada, bada, bada. And it's actually the root of where we get our English phrase when we say blah, blah, blah. And so what's so fascinating to me about this text It's as if Jesus was saying, listen, don't go on and on like the pagans do who think lots of words make prayers really important because all it sounds like to me is blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He's explaining this is not what I want you to do. Blah, blah, blah. I want you to have sincerity because a right heart is far more superior to right words. Even if it doesn't come out perfectly, a right heart is far more superior to right words. Now, Jesus is not condemning repetitive requests. Um, He himself prayed the same thing three times at the Garden of Gethsemane. There's nothing wrong with asking God for the same things time and time again. But his point is the attitude of our prayers. Many times we pray out of obligation, and if we aren't careful, we recite the same familiar things with no real desire or no authenticity in our prayers, and we just go blah, blah, blah. And so prayer needs to flow from the heart. Prayer needs to flow out of a burden, out of a desire. And then we will be able to to not just recite words we've thought before, said before, but they're genuine and authentic. I also love in verse 4 of this passage that needs to be pointed out is that Jesus says, when you pray, and he speaks in the plural form, he is speaking to the group of his followers, and he's saying, when you all pray. So he's, he's talking to a group of people. He's saying, when you all pray. And so this verbiage uh, suggests the expectation that we, as his followers, will not only pray, but will pray with one another. We'll pray with and for one another. And this is really important because I think if you just read this at face value, you might misunderstand. Jesus is not telling us uh, only to pray in the closet, Okay, he's not saying that's the only place you can pray. He's not saying that you should avoid public prayers like in worship services or prayer gatherings. He's definitely not implying that we should cease praying for one another or at mealtimes together. In fact, in Matthew 18, 19 through 20, Jesus reminds us, again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So Jesus is not saying, look, that praying together is wrong. In fact, he's encouraging us to. But what he's doing is he's course correcting what was happening in public prayers at times. Jesus was reminding his followers, listen, pray twice as much in private as you do in public. The public part should be the tip of the iceberg because you've spent all week long praying to me alone. You see what I mean? He's saying it's not about who uh, you're trying to impress. It's an audience of one. It's just Jesus. If you talk to Jesus all week long, then when you pray for one another or you pray in public, it just comes out that same way. And so he's reminding us of that motive. So then Jesus continues to give instruction in Matthew 6. And he says, uh, this then is how you should pray. And so I want you to join me and pray these words this morning. I think they'll be familiar to you. But let's pray the version uh, that's on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Now, some people call this prayer the Lord's Prayer. But perhaps a better and more accurate name for this prayer in this passage would actually be the disciples' prayer. Because this prayer was meant to be prayed by us, by Jesus' followers. And Jesus is modeling for us a pattern for prayer. So it's valuable to say the Our Father word for word. That is, that is valuable if you do that often in your prayer journey or like we just did together. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning to this passage. It wasn't just meant to be said word for word. It's meant to give us a pattern for when we pray on our own, at those times we're praying in our closet or at home all week long, this is a general pattern in the way that we can express ourselves to the Father. And so here's what we're going to do today for the remainder of our time. I'm going to teach you about the Our Father um, piece by piece today. And in between each piece, I asked a few of my friends to come and just give you an example. You're going to pray with them. And um, they're just going to give you an example of how they would pray in this section if they were at home or they were praying. And my hope is that this will give you a new way to look at your own prayer life. My hope is this would just give you a, a fresh perspective. Sometimes if you don't know how to pray to the Lord or you are stuck, maybe you're stuck in the blah, blah, blah phase, <laughs> that this will break you out of that and give you an example of how you can pray when you're in your closet, when you're in another place. Okay, are you ready for that? All right, so first, uh, the prayer starts, Our Father in Heaven. Now, What's so interesting is for us, we're so familiar with those words. We're like, oh yeah, that's how you would address God, like you're addressing a letter. But to the disciples, this was revolutionary. In fact, in my mind, this is a Nicole Schreiber thought, but when Jesus began to teach this, that one guy in the back was like, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> you said two words, but I have a question. You know, there's always that guy. And he said, what do you mean we can address God our Father? You see, before Jesus, the Jewish people, they had heard the analogy of God as their father, but no one dared to address him as such. God was distant. He was holy and pure and righteous, and he could only be approached through sacrifices, through mediators. In fact, they couldn't even go to God. They had to send their sacrifice in with the priest who went to God. And so there was lots of space and there was lots of, of distance between them and God. They would have never viewed themselves as a son or a daughter. It reminds me of when John F. Kennedy was president. Here's a picture of his tenure, but unlike other presidential families, um, his two young children, Caroline and John Jr., had the run of the White House. Do you see him there underneath the, the presidential desk? That would be my kids if we were the president for sure. But it wasn't uncommon for President Kennedy to be in a meeting and the door to fly open and John Jr. to run in and climb up on his lap. And everyone else in the Oval Office called him Mr. President. But John Jr. called him Daddy. John Jr. had full access to his dad. A personal, a close relationship with him. He didn't have to schedule an appointment. He didn't have to make sure that, that things were clear. He had full access and he just called him daddy. He had that close relationship with them. So it's, it's as if before Jesus came to earth, everyone called God Mr. President. Mr. President, could I please, sir, maybe if you have a minute, could I tell you the needs I have? 
And Jesus comes running into the room and he says, look, because he's my daddy, he's your daddy now to you. You can address him as father. In fact, he uses an Aramaic word for father that, that is the word Abba. And Jesus prays, Abba, father. And then he says, you can do that too. That's how you can approach the father. You can approach him, be, that you're close to him, you have full access to him. And I also love, if you noticed, how this prayer says, pray our father, not just my father. Jesus is reminding us we're a family, we're not alone. We're not alone in our praying, we're not alone in our living. Following Christ is something we're doing together. We all have the same loving father. And so let's pray that direction today. Uh, Jamie, would you come and just lead us? the way that we could pray on our own as we practice together calling God our Father. Would you bow your heads with us today? Our Father, who art in heaven, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you through your son, Jesus, as children. Father, in this moment, we lay aside all of our responsibilities and adulthoods and labels and to-do lists, Heavenly Father, and we just come to you as our, our raw self, as your daughter, as your son, and we ask that you would help us to live our lives in this identity as a child. No matter our age, no matter our race, no matter our level of education or our daily duties and income, Father, in this moment, we come to you as your children. And we thank you for the honor. And we ask that we give you glory in our position as children, that other may, others may see us and want to become your children as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So after addressing God as Father, next, we come to a series of six requests divided into two parts. So first, we pray about God's concerns and then we pray about our needs. And so God's concerns in these verses are his name, his kingdom, and his will. Okay, so it says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So first, the word hallowed means to make or to keep holy. And so God's name must be kept holy and honored. A name defines a person. And so it isn't just respect for God's name, but respect for God himself. And he is represented by his name. So we should pray that we can give God all the honor and all the praise. That we can represent our father well. That we would always be giving honor to his name in every word we speak, in every action we take, in every interaction we have. And then it says we should pray for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, of course, your kingdom come, that's referencing uh, someday the final and full coming of God's kingdom. So we're praying, God, come back, <laughs> come back, come back when you're ready, come back, we're ready for you, right? We're praying that. But we're also praying that right now God will rule in us and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is perfect, Everything in heaven happens perfectly. We want more of that here, right? So we want to pray down heaven in our families, in our lives, in our comings and in our goings. May earth resemble more like heaven. That God's will is perfectly and fully done in heaven. We want more of that on earth. I think it's interesting. I don't know if we mean to, but so often 
let's be honest, we pray, my will be done, not your will be done. You might not actually say those words, but we say things like this. God, uh, if you would just change this, I know for sure that would change that, and then we'd be all good. (laughs) Can I give you some suggestions about what could happen here? Um, Lord, I think that if you just give me this, I'll be happy. You know, we have all these solutions, right? And we come to the Lord with them, and we ask him to do these things that we want him to do. And what this prayer is doing is it's reorienting us to pray, listen, your will be done. I don't even know what that is, God, but but whatever it is, let it be done. Your kingdom come. I think it's going to look like this, but I don't know for sure. So your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, whatever is is intended in heaven for it to be like this, bring it down right now because that's what I want, whether I think I want it or not. And so let's pray like that this morning. Ken, would you come and lead us? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. Heavenly Father, we come to you and offer our praise and our worship. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. You are such a good, good Father. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who you sent. So, Lord, for the sacrifice that he made, that the veil is torn and that your kingdom come and we can enter your presence as sons and daughters and just, just fall into your arms, a loving Father. So, Lord, we just ask that you touch our hearts, touch our eyes and our ears so that we may see and hear and know what your will is for our lives. Lord, we just pray that you let the power of the Holy Spirit flow through us, that we may be, have the boldness to go and do everything that Jesus commanded us to do. Lord, we just want to give you all the honor and praise, for you are the only one who's worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So the next uh, part of the Lord's Prayer is first we put God's kingdom first, and then we ask for what we need. Our needs are daily provisions, forgiveness, delivery from temptation. And so first we pray, God, uh, give us today our daily bread. Our bread represents all that we need in the physical realm. Food, drink, good health, good weather, a roof over our heads, a a stable and fair government. The, The things that we need. This is a prayer for all the daily necessities of life. God wants us to come to him for these things and humble dependence to live one day at a time, trusting our Father to care for us, depending on him, that he will give us what we need. Take notice here, too, this isn't just a me prayer. This is a, this is a we prayer. Again, give us our daily bread. We don't just pray for the physical needs of our family. We pray for the family of God. We pray for the people that don't have the things that they need, right? The world around us. We need to pray for those things. Next, it talks about forgiveness, Jesus used the word debt. Um, that's often a word used for sin. And, and it's talking about that, that Jesus would forgive our sin and that we would forgive others. And so this is, a, this is a combo effect here. It's confession, but it's also offering and extending forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. Now, there's a reason that Jesus put this together because we admit our sins to God and we ask for his forgiveness, but at the same time, We release everyone from our judgment that has hurt us and forgive them. Jesus makes it clear that you can't do the first without the second. Confession is really important, but it has to be partnered with forgiveness. You can't ask for and receive forgiveness without giving it. And then lastly, 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The message translation says it this way. I really like it. It says, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Those are our two biggest enemies, aren't they? Ourselves and the devil. The two things that will put us in a spiral in a minute. And so lead us not into temptation. The idea, not that God ever leads us into temptation. What he's saying is that he delivers us from ourselves and the enemy. And so what I love about this section, um, as Jamie comes to pray for us today, is the first request is physical, the second request is spiritual, and the third request is moral. And so this prayer expresses our dependence on God in every way. So would you bow your heads today as Jamie just models how we can pray this part of the Lord's Prayer? Lord, I thank you that you provide all of our needs, God. And um, I thank you that even as we were able to pave this whole parking lot, Lord, that you would just increase our faith, that we would trust you, Lord, when our bills are coming through and we don't have money to pay them, Lord, that we would trust that you provide, Lord. And that as we sang this morning, God, that uh, we would have more than enough, Lord, that we would be able to pour it out and have it overflow onto others, Lord, with your provision, Father. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to forgive others, Lord. We thank you so much for forgiveness, God, that you've dealt so mercifully. You've given us so much love, Father. And so as we have received from you, Father, help us to give that freely to others, Lord, and to set an example of Jesus Christ and who you are, Lord. And Father, I just pray that we would uh, rebuke the lies, Lord, as they come, Father, that we would be kind to ourselves, Lord, and that we would listen only to your voice, God. Your word says that your sheep know your voice, Lord, and we believe that we hear truths from you, Father. Help us to fight the lies, Lord, and listen to the truths that you speak over us and who you say we are. And we pray this in your loving and forgiving name, Jesus. Amen. So this is what the Lord taught us how to pray. And in some translations and some traditions, the prayer ends with these words. You might have recognized this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now theologians debate if these words were actually said by Jesus in that moment as a closing to the prayer or if they were added to the biblical text in the second century. But either way, there's no doubt that those words express a true biblical idea. King David prayed something really similar in 1 Chronicles 29. But the point of these words is that the way we should pray after we go through addressing God as our Father, and then we talk about His needs, His name, His kingdom, His will, and then we go to the Father with our needs, our, our daily provision, our help uh, when we're tempted, and, and to forgive others, and our confession to be clean before the Lord, that we should always end every time we come to God in a moment of praise. Praise for His sovereignty. Praise for His power. Praise for his glory. Praise for who he is. Praise that he will do what he says he will do. Praise that he is faithful and good, that he's our redeemer, that he's our savior, that he's worth every breath that we have in our bones. That if he never did anything else for us, he's done it all by sending Jesus on the cross. That we have so much to be thankful for because he saved us, he delivered us, he redeemed us. And that's how we're gonna end today. We're gonna end in a corporate moment of prayer, a corporate moment of praise that reminds us how we should end each time we pray. So would you stand?
Maybe you don't do this very often, but I love for you to lift your hands even just like this. Maybe you're a little uncomfortable with it, but God will, God will help you. Just lift your hands. Just lift your voice. Just even in your own moment, would you tell God how faithful he is, how good he is? Tell him how you want to love him, you want to serve him. Remember the words, not about the words, it's about the heart. They can come out clunky or messy or, or frustrated even, but it's the authenticity of just asking the Lord, just praising him for what he's done. Jesus, Jesus.
Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.